welcome back to House Talk Pregame. I am Dr. Lauren Pitts, and I'm back from vacation. Ronnie, I went on vacation, light skin, and I came back dark skin. <laughs> <laughs> I came back dark skin. But it is all good in the neighborhood, folks. This is House Talk Pregame. You know who that guy is. I'm passing on him. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now to be ready for his ignorance and his disrespect. I'm not even going to tell you the ignorant mess that he started off with before we even came live because that's just the bull fraggle naggle that he does. But I'm, I'm fully prepared for all his cheap shots that he's going to, you know, hit me with today. It's all good in the neighborhood. Hey, Ronnie, go ahead. It's all good. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to episode 134 of House Talk Pregame. It's good to be back. We got a really good uh, episode we're going to have today. We have a special guest with us, and we're also waiting on one of our other guests that's going to be joining us soon. I think I know why he's taking a while to log in, but we're going to wait till he log in to uh, talk about that. But um, yeah, nah, um, it's, it's been a, a great couple weeks. Uh, I didn't uh, go out of the country anywhere like some of us. Um, I didn't get invited, but um, I'm not gonna hold it against nobody. It's a girl's trip, Ronnie. It was a girl's trip. Girls need security. Y'all, y'all was in a foreign country. Everybody need a little security and everything. But anyways, we're not gonna talk about that. It's all good. All I know is I just better get an evite for the next trip, um, or otherwise I'm judging. Um, no, so we got a really uh, special uh, episode lineup for y'all today. We're talking about men's ultimate guide to holistic well-being. Um, mm. We know that, you know, in terms of self-care and, you know, overall well-being, a lot of times it is a, a female-dominated topic. Um, and oftentimes as guys, we're just, just kind of left with, you know, hey, just figure it out, solve it, you know, tough up, toughen up, be man up, whatever the case you want to call it. Um, but a lot of times when we have that ideology, it can really be offsetting and really have us, um, you know, think that things that we're not supposed to struggle with are normal. You know, things that are, you know, chaotic or traumatic or uh, toxic, we think are just normal things that we're supposed to deal with and just go along with. When in reality, there are things we can do to, you know, really enhance our overall well-being and make sure we're taking care of our self-care for ourselves. Um, so we have a special guest today. Uh, Martin, uh, is it Histrov? I hope I said your la name, last name correctly. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, Lauren. Uh, it's actually pronounced as Christoph, but I, I would I never expect anybody to, to get it correctly because unless you speak my uh, Bulgarian, where I'm originally from, or some sort of a Slavic <laughs> uh, language based on the Cyrillic alphabet, you would never know how to pronounce it. It just doesn't make sense in uh, Latin or the, using English and so on. It's all good, man. I'm, I'm always down for learning uh, how people, uh, you know, say their names and everything. So now welcome on the show, Martin. We're really glad to have you and everything. Um, so we're going to uh, bring Martin on in a few minutes. Um, so as far as, uh, you know, what's been going on in the world recently, um, first and foremost, we want to talk about um, the unfortunate incident that happened um, this past weekend at uh, Morgan State. Um, over the weekend, on, I want to say it was uh, Sunday, no, Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday after a homecoming event, um, five people were uh, shot. Um, uh, they haven't found the suspect yet um, that was involved in the incident, um, but our prayers go to the, you know, the Morgan State family and everything and those families who were um, the individuals who were impacted by this um, unfortunate mm -hmm. tragedy. Um, I always tell people, you know, um, I can't speak for PWIs and what their homecomings are like, um, but an HBCU homecoming is like a family reunion. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's supposed to be a special event, a sacred time. 
Um, you know, campus is supposed to be, you know, home for so many people, you know, current students, alumni, family and friends of the alumni and current students. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, Morgan State had to cancel all homecoming activities and the football game this weekend due to this unfortunate incident. Um, and it's just really sad, you know. Um, Virginia State had a similar incident um, back in 2017 and 2018 um, where they had a, a shooting on campus during homecoming. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, when that, since that incident has happened, um, even when I go on campus for homecoming now, it's, you know, it's in the back of my mind that this possibly could happen because, you know, unfortunately we have individuals who, you know, allow temporary feelings and especially, you know, we're going to talk about this today too. A lot of times men, you know, allowing temporary feelings and emotions to make, you know, permanent decisions that sometimes the consequences you can't get back from, you know. Um, and so, you know, it's really unfortunate that this happened on Morgan State's campus. So, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to their families, the campus, university, um, and everybody in impacted by this. Um, and, you know, I pray that all the uh, homecomings that are going on this weekend at the other HBCU campuses uh, go without any issues. Everybody can have a safe, enjoyable time, can reconnect with people they haven't seen in quite a while. Um, for a lot of schools, this is really like the second normal homecoming post-COVID. Um, yeah. A lot of schools had, you know, COVID restrictions in 2021. Some of them didn't even have uh, homecomings in 2021. So, you know, last year and this year, really like the first years post-COVID where schools can have a normal homecoming and people can actually go on campus and enjoy themselves, have a good time. And, and, and it's, a, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, and for it to have it, you know, taken like that, it's just really unfortunate. So, um, like I said, our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Um, and I really hope that uh, everybody else can enjoy their homecomings and, and, and all the other future campus events as well, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing that I, a couple of things I wanted to touch on, um, that Virginia State, your alma mater, Ronnie, um, they are requesting an investigation into a reported racist incident that occurred during the women's soccer match at a PWI. Um, and the president of um, Guilford College um, apologized to Virginia State's president, but Virginia State's president is, you know, highlighting what which is a legitimate request that the apology needs to be made to the players. They were the ones that right. were subjected to this this horrific behavior, um, and it and it's definitely it, it it's it's so sad. It, it's tragic that in 2023 we're still having to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. It just makes no sense. It's like, none of us can help the race or ethnicity that we were born into. You're not bothering anybody. You're, you know, you're, you're on the field playing a game. You're pursuing this sport that you love so much and you can't even do that in peace. You know what I mean? It's just, it's tragic. And, and we've touched before, you know, on the, the racism that exists um, in the athletic world. And it's not just, you know, racial um, injustice, it's gender too. You know, there, there's yeah. all of the discussion around the LGBTQIA plus community in all nine yards. And folks just need to get themselves together. You know, it, it's, we know that these injustices are rooted in hatred and ignorance. Um, and it's just, it's just so unfortunate. So we hope that they get that sorted out and that Guilford College does what's right by those players um, because nobody deserves to be, you know, mistreated um, for any reason. 
Um, I do want to give a quick um, mental health tip, and I, and I actually want to tie it to, and, and Martin, you prefer to be called Marto, right? I was yeah, you can uh, call me Martin. That's actually my name. Martin. Yeah, you can call me Martin. Yeah, well, whatever yeah. it is here. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. is easier. Because my grandpa used to say, just don't call you late for dinner. <laughs> so, you know, as I was, you know, we're always doing research and stuff. And as I was reviewing your bio, just a whole nine yards, you, there were a, a few that I got highlights all over the place from your website stuff I want to sort of plug on and pick your brain about. But there's a quote that you have on your website that says, unless revised, your past condition is your life sentence. And that thing hit me in the chest because as a clinician, one of the things that I'm constantly reminding my clients of is that their adversities, their traumas, their challenges in life do not define them unless they decide that they should. And I feel like, you know, as I, I was researching you and, and trying to get to know you better before actually meeting you face to face, I feel like like that mindset is at the essence of the work that you do that is is purpose to liberate and free people from themselves, right? And you you speak very fully about that. And, and Ron is going to do the formal introduction in a minute, or I have your bio, or I'm not, I sent it to Ron, but I'm not sure if you got it in time. Um, but the bottom line is that the choice is yours. And, and we'll touch more on that because there's definitely some specific things about your work that I, I want you to, to piece together as we're discussing this. Um, but what I want to say as the tip is, and, and Martin is going to expound on this more, is why not confront yourself? Why not confront all of those things that have hindered you from being the absolute best version of yourself that you can be, you are worth being the best you that you can be. But in order to do that, you have to be willing to, to, to free yourself from the hold that life and all of the curveballs that it's thrown at you has had on you. And, and I just wanted to add that. And I know certainly um, this is gonna be a robust discussion. Um, you're bringing so much to the table here. And, and I'll just leave it at that because I know that it, it's something that you're definitely gonna expound on in your conversation. Um, Ronnie, do you want me to read the bio or do you did you get it when I sent it? I, I did get it. I was gonna read the uh, the first part, the kind of the the short part. Okay. And I was gonna yep, allow, yep. Uh, I was gonna allow Martine to, um, Definitely just, you know, yep. uh, allow him to, you know, speak on his story and everything, because I did get a chance to read through it. And um, Martin, I'll definitely let you know, you are our first uh, Bulgarian on the show. Um, so we're, we're happy to have an international presence and everything. So, uh, you know, uh, Martin is a self-published author, inspirational speaker, bliss coach, and holistic well-being expert. Um, he helps successful men in midlife crises to gain lasting fulfillment. Um, to remove all suffering from their lives, to cultivate a permanent state of total well-being without the, without the need to achieve or get more. So, Martin, welcome to House Talk Pre-Game, man. Uh, thank you for joining us and everything. So, uh, Martin, just tell the people a little bit more about yourself and, um, you know, how you got to be where you are today. Thank you for having me, Ronnie and Lauren. It's a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for an insightful conversation well, I describe, I, I like to make things simple for people. 
because I, there's a lot of labels I can put behind my name because there's one, no one label that can ever define me or anyone you ever come across. They're, the labels are the, where we start to limit ourselves. The moment we place a label, because what I love to say is that I am many things, but none of those things define who I actually am in my essence, because this is just an expression of what I play on the scene of outside of my consciousness, how I appear in other people's lives and the roles I can play. Because at home, I can be a parent, a lover to my, to my girlfriend, or in, at work, I can be uh, a boss, I can be somebody else's coworker in school, a classmate, and so on. So these labels are very limiting. The moment we start to place labels behind I am is when we start to limit ourselves. So I am. But the simplest way to put it is I'm, I'm a modern Renaissance man. I do a lot of things. I practice a lot of things. I study a lot of things. And I'm curious about pretty much anything one could be curious about. Like I have a curiosity disease. <laughs> you can call it, you know. And the other part of me is that I'm very pragmatic. So it's not just a, a matter of learning about things. It's a matter of putting them into practice and see, validating whether or not they're true or they bear the results they promise and so on. So validating theories, ideas, practices, and so on. And that's what have brought me where I am today, just this constant search for new ideas, new ways to go about it. But generally speaking, what fired my transformation to be where I am today and speaking from about holistic well-being and teaching others how to be the best expression of themselves that they can possibly conjure up and discover because what you can conjure up of yourself right now is very limited because your conditioning is very limited. We all condition and well, thank you for bringing this up, Lauren, but to be exact with the quote is, unless the revise your past conditioning, because it's not a condition, it's not a one condition, it's conditioning. Mm -hmm is your life sentence because what you think you are today is not what you are. This is a conditioned personality. The personality is like Play-Doh. You can make whatever you want out of it. However, once you shaped it and you pass your youth, it's very hard to unshape the Play-Doh into something else because certain patterns starts to ingrain themselves and become calcified. So it takes a lot more effort and conscious will on a consistent basis to replace a bad habit with a new one. But why conditioning? Because everything in what you think you are and experience is a habit, unconscious habit, whether it's the way you feel, whether it's the way you think, whether it's the way you eat, whether it's the way you brush your teeth or the side of the bed you sleep on. All these things are habitual. So meaning that you've created it at some point. And if you create it, then, then you can change them if you become aware that they don't work for you. It's as simple as that. However, awareness is fundamental when it's the first step. Unless you realize that something is not serving you or it's not optimal for you or it's not producing the results you want, there's not much that can change. Because as I said, in early childhood, we are conditioned 
in many ways through environment, parents, and blah, 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 school. And we don't have a conscious choice because we don't have yet the rational ability to evaluate all these ideas, all these ways that we are exposed to the environment around us to choose what is true, what is valid, what is virtuous, what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. We're like little sponges. We absorb everything we see. And what I like to tell the parents that are listening right now, this one major point and takeaway, it's not what you say, it's what you do. So don't be the parent that say, don't do what I say, but be the parent that teaches by example, because that's what your children are looking at. They go and replicate when you're not looking exactly what you did. The more you do it, the more you ingrain it. That's how we design a function. We're not, language is a very recent development in human evolution. We learn by seeing, and that's what children do. They look at what the grown-ups do, and because, again, they don't have a rational ability yet to evaluate whether or not it's good, they just go and replay. It's like mirror. So... I'm going to stop right here for a moment and give you some time to <laughs> catch up on what hey, I just said. Martin, I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like, you got me fired up, man. Like, if, if we were getting ready for a game or something like that or, or, hell, even a workout, like, man, you got me fired up, man. I'm over here, got goosebumps on me and everything. I'm like, man, like, just the passion in your voice hearing you describe, you know, how, like you said, how can, conditioning of behavior. Um, one of the things that me and Dr. Piss talk about heavily on the show is, is especially in terms of you know parenting and things how parents you know a lot of times kids will they'll listen to what you say it goes in one ear not the other they will always watch what you do one of the things i always talk to parents about especially as you have kids that get older into the adolescent years is that when we don't prepare them to what it is to be an adult on a day in and day out basis you know yes teaching them how to go get a good job save their money find a good partner things like that those are all important but how to handle your emotions, how to handle the ups and downs of being an adult, the ups and downs of the world and just day-to-day -day living. A lot of times we talk about it, but we don't even emulate or model ourselves the things we talk about to our children. So it's important to have that uh, conditioning of, you know, hey, if you want your child to do this, if you want your child to act in this way or behave in this way, they need to see you do it. And they need to see you do that consistently, mm -hmm. not just one time, not when you just talk to them about it, but every single time. Because I know you want to chime in as well. You know, and and just staying aligned with our topic for today as you were speaking, Martin. And I'm sitting here, same thing around. I'm like, you see me? I'm like, oh, yes, that part right there, <laughs> all of that. And when we look at that through the lens of gender, oh, my goodness. When we think about the conditioning that men have from the time they come out of the womb and how that is projected and transferred onto their sons and what that looks like this that evolutionary process across multiple generations and now we have you know the barbaric sport of football or basketball or baseball or soccer or whatever it is and this machismo that, you know, I am, you know, everybody's beating their chest and, and talking about your feelings. Oh, that's, that's considered a sign of weakness. Going to the doctor 
that's considered a sign of weakness. You know, just toughing it out and pushing through and, and roaring and growling all the time is this, this, this masculine rite of passage when in actuality, when I think about what that looks like from a clinical perspective, it's quite debilitating, right? It's almost as if men in many cases have been conditioned from birth to be debilitated. You said something powerful, um, Martin, in your, uh, you, you, on your website, you, you, I highlighted something you said. You said, I have looked for the answers everywhere else, but within myself. Um, I, I want you to, to speak to that more, if you don't mind, because I think that it's so important for men to understand that looking within is not a sign of weakness. It's, 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 it's not weakness. It's in actuality a sign of strength because if you don't have the courage to look within, in essence, I believe you're navigating life inauthentically. You're just pretending to be a man. Can you speak to that? Sure, sure. And I'm more than happy to. There's a lot of uh, rabbit holes we can follow through here. But here is what I want to say. First and foremost, as a man, if you cannot really sit with your feelings, and I don't mean with the feelings of elation or excitement when you're happy and things are going your way, but we can sit with the anxieties and all these things and really start to savor them and see what they're bringing and how they make you cringe, the things they make you think, the things you want to do and not react to them, but become responsive, responsive to them, everything changes because you see a rite of passage, an initiation that doesn't have to do with suppressing emotions. It has to do with you sitting with them and getting used to being in the volcano, burning and still being okay with that, not trying to push it away or express it as a violence or some stupidity. It's sitting with that feeling and appreciating it and giving it space because it's very nice when you feel good and you're comfortable and all these things and things are going your way when but some somebody gets you angry or something gets you scared or you like you have this anxiousness within you what do you do mm -hmm. because in past times before our modern society was created and we got into the world of consumerism and capitalism as it is today, all ancient tribes, societies, and so on had the rights of initiation for men because women didn't have to do that. The moment they had menstruated, that was their initiation. It wasn't something that they have to go through. But boys had to go through a, a whole different set of challenges. And big part of the challenges was for them to be all different cultures had a different approach to it. But in its essence, the idea was to push the psyche of the young men to its limits when it's gonna break. And then it's integrated back into the world with a shaman or a spiritual teacher who can integrate and help this person to really sit with those feelings with, with everything that took place 
So they can actually acknowledge that, not resist it or ignore it or pretend that it wasn't there. Because the idea is to really get them to sit with this uncomfortable feeling and be okay with it, not react to it, but start to use it to propel it. Because that's what all at top level performers do. Doesn't matter if you're an athlete or speaker, whatever the hell you do it, you're always gonna have the butterflies and whatever these feelings, but you don't, they don't use them to paralyze them or act stupidly. They use them to propel it because it's the body's way of optimizing itself to act physically in a way that you're either gonna fight, flight, or freeze, but that's obviously not a great solution to any of those things. So point being, you have to learn to sit with these emotions and to really appreciate them, not to go out and look for distractions because that's how our convenient mm -hmm. society of consumerism is designed to be. There's many distractions, there's many ways to numb out. So there's always a solution for you to numb out. Maybe you can go get drunk, you can uh, you know, play video games or whatever the hell it is that you, you find ways to distract yourself. I'm not really sitting down with that. And this is a major problem for all men because throughout their early 30s to 40s, based on my research and the work I do with grown up men going through midlife and so on or entering midlife, usually in those moments and when they actually start to start, slow down and actually reflect on things, become introspective versus always looking at the world and trying to impress and challenge and uh, to be competitive, to show that there is something better than somebody else. Because again, there's some evolutionary truths here that we cannot ignore, but with more information, with more awareness about yourself and the things that drive your behavior because there are two dimensions in ourselves. So I'm going to expand upon what you said earlier when we talked about when you see that something's not working, you're not looking into or addressing yourself. Well, here's the thing. There are two real dimensions to our being. The first one is what everybody knows and is familiar with, is the false self. I call it the ego it's been called many names, the personality. It's what you think you are. Your name, your label, your gender, all these things, your nationality, your, your race, all these things, the things you do, your job, your items, and all these things. Well, this is a false personality. And that false personality have few Achilles heels. Number one is uncertainty. Number two is insecurities like it doesn't like to feel insecure or to show that it has something that it's not perfect and good it's always going to pretend that everything is fine the moment you point out and become aware that something is not working the ego is going to come up with all the justifications why you're right why you're right and everybody's wrong it's never gonna admit it's shortcomings it's not designed to function in this way because fundamentally evolutionary speaking it was put there to protect us from the environment to taking our own lives and doing stupid things generally speaking it's there to ensure that we survive and we carry on the genes by reproducing and so on but the point being there is another dimension to ourselves the real dimension this is something that escapes the physical 
senses and experience. And you can only experience in ecstatic states through mystical experiences by psychedelics and so on that remove the desire of control and this false control that this ego self have through the rational brain and through the five senses because the five senses are completely unreliable on based on the information they provide what do you think is reality what do you think is real is completely made up in your brain if your brain didn't make up this picture and you were unconscious this reality that is so called real does not exist it is a proven scientific fact. You can study it as much as you want. There's been studies done for over 100 years based on quantum mechanics or quantum physics. The consciousness gives birth to physical reality, not the other way around. So meaning that there's something within you that gives you this kind of like experience that you have on the screen of your consciousness. But what you experience on the screen of your consciousness is not the reality. The reality is behind. To use a simple analogy, when you go to a theater and you look at the screen, you see the movie and everything is very excited. And if there's a lot of emotions and so on, you get engaged. But if you turn around and actually look where the movie is coming from, there's just a beam of light. And everybody's looking at the screen versus the beam of light. But the beam of light is where you should be looking at because that's where everything is happening. It's not on the screen. So point being, discovering that you are something much greater than this made-up personality that is just a ball of Play-Doh that you can shape however you want. And having the, first you start with the understanding or at least awareness that this other dimension exists because unless you have this understanding and then the burning desire to find out who and what you truly are in your essence you're just gonna live in this like nonsense world for the rest of your life in illusion in delusion in hallucination it's basically hypnosis because what happens when you go to sleep and you're not aware of this body anymore. You go into the dream world, but it's still you. However, do you recall your labels, your names, and all that kind of stuff? Most of the time, not. You, you're still aware. You're still there, but who's there? Your body is asleep in your bed, but who's there? So obviously, you cannot be your body and yet have this experience and then remember it when you come back. So there's many dimensions to ourself and staying what I call just scraping the surface or scratching the surface and keep distracting yourself. Yeah, we can make time by, go by, but it, there comes a moment in your life, you're gonna feel very, very uncomfortable things within. Like you're gonna ask yourself like, is that all there is? You're going to be looking for meaning. What is this guy game all about? Even if you're extremely successful, most of my clients are extremely successful. They have everything. They've checked out all the boxes and still yet they feel empty. Why? Because we are, the reality is very simple. I'm going to make this very simple. We are not of this world. Nothing in this world of illusion, what I call, or hypnosis that we experience through the senses can ever satisfy us. That's why we always search for more. You don't have to be a scientist to see the evidence for that. You can look back in history. There are emperors that own almost the whole world, and that was still not enough. They could have all the wealth, all the women, all the palaces, whatever. And we're not, not to be sexist here, but there were empresses as well. And again, this whole feedback loop was repeating. So nothing in this world can ever satisfy you. So the key is to really start looking at the beam 
not at what's projected at the screen. Because the more you look at or focus on the screen, the more you're going to be hallucinating and deluding yourself that you think you know what's going on. Because I'm going to ask you a simple, what seems like a very simple question. However, I want you to take this at home and really, really sit with it for a long time until you really get it. I'm not going to give you the answer, but I'm going to ask you, where do you hear me right now? Or where do you see me right now if you're watching this? Martin, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, I feel like I was just sitting in one of my uh, old philosophy classes back in undergrad. Um, you spoke on so many, um, so many different things and so many different topics. Um, if I could, you know, summarize, especially your last few minutes, um, one of the things and even something that I had to work on, especially in my early 20s, to kind of what you said, and I think a lot of men suffer from this and we don't really talk about it, is that a lot of men only see ourselves for what we do, whether it's our profession, occupation, our social status, our financial status. We see ourselves through the lens of the tangible objects that we have. You know, a lot of men will not admit that or talk about it. You know, we, we oftentimes blame women or point the finger at women and say, well, all women care about are material things and stuff like that. We as men do too. And a lot of times we compare ourselves with other men by how much power they have or how much money they have or how much control over things they have, because those are the things that society has conditioned us, like we were talking about earlier with the conditioning, has conditioned us to believe that men are only as good as what they produce. I have this conversation with men all the time about you are more than what you can physically produce. You are more than your dick. You are more than your looks. You are more than your muscles. You are more than any profession you can do. I think where a lot of men struggle when they have that conversation is that, okay, well, okay, if I'm more than a businessman, if I'm more than an athlete, more than an entrepreneur, a boss, employee, whatever the case may be, who am I? And I think that boils back down to, like you were saying earlier, where for a lot of times men have never been forced to sit with those emotions, have never been forced to look within or have that introspective uh, conversation of who am I really outside of all the things that I can do? One of the things I always tell people is that out of all the hats and roles that we can wear or do, none of those roles are more important than the role of ourselves. As much as we like to think we can give to others and provide for others, and especially as men, we, we see ourselves as simply providers. I'm only as good as what I can do for you, as good as I can protect you, provide for you, give you money, shelter, uh, warmth, whatever the case may be. And if I can't do that, I'm absolutely worthless. And, you know, a lot of times men struggle with that concept of, well, if I don't have a good job, if I can't pay for this, if I can't take my shorty out to do this or whatever the case may be, I'm not good enough. And a lot of times, like you said, also, too, when we don't have our own personal markers or guidelines of what we're proud of, or what we've achieved, we'll always, um, you know, we'll always look for other people to give us that approval and validation that what we're doing is enough, you know. Mm -hmm. And to your point about, you know, with your clientele being, you know, kind of like late 30s, early, early 40s and having that midlife crisis, I would even say for, you know, the millennials, I call it the quarter life crisis. <laughs> where between 20 and 25, because of social media's impact and influence on, you know, the, the, the later millennials and the, uh, the Gen Zers and everything, we see how social media has now, you have adolescents and, you know, teenagers and early adults comparing themselves to people who have been doing things for 20, 30, 40 years, or people who are well-established, people who have been adults, 
understand how the real world works. But you have these young kids comparing themselves to people who have all this money and things across the world and they get instantly depressed or they feel miserable. They feel less of themselves because they are always constantly being exposed to what people around the world are doing. And if I don't have this, if I don't have the latest gear, the latest techno uh, technology, the latest, um, whatever the case may be, then I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm, I'm just worthless at this point. And I call that the quarter life crisis because a lot of kids feel like by 25, all the things you talked about with your clientele having to achieve by their 30s and 40s, people now feel like I have to have this achieved by 25. If I don't have a good job, a good house, a wife, husband, whatever the case may be, I'm worthless. If I don't have a degree, I'm worthless. And so I really appreciate you touching on that because I think we need to have that discussion more and force men to sit with those feelings and understand that our feelings are our superpowers. You know, our feelings tell us a lot about what's going on inside of us and how we perceive the world. Feelings are not facts, but they can really tell you a lot about what's going on around you and help you make decisions in the real time that even if you don't make the best decision in that moment, the instant takeaways and feedback that you have from that experience give you a chance when that situation comes back around in the future to know how to move better and make better decisions, not impulsive, selfish, momentary decisions based off of temporary emotions. Um, I just wanted to to piggyback on actually what you both said because it it ties into the the sense of self work that I do with my clients and when I'm working with clients around helping them to better understand who they are internally. I ask three questions: Who are you? Who do people say you are? And who do you pretend to be? Right and they struggle. And what I tell them is resist the, the urge to give me the superficial responses to, to both of your points, right? It's like, they'll tell me, like I, the first couple of times I ask them, oh, I'm a dad, um, I'm a husband, I'm an engineer, I'm a football player, I'm a basketball player, I'm a, it's all this superficial. And I kid you guys not, I literally, I make them sit with it. And I will ask them those three questions, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times. You would be amazed at how irritated people get. Like, oh my gosh, Dr. Pitts, why do you keep asking me? Because I need you to go deeper. I need you to get out of the superficial. And I really need you, as you said, Mark, I need you to sit with this thing. And I need you to really, truly give yourself permission to take a deep dive into self so that you can really get a much better understanding of what's going on inside of you that is informing and influencing how you think, feel, function, and navigate life. And if you're not willing to do that, you are going to continue to navigate life inauthentically without a clue as to who you really are and why you tick the way you tick because you it's that's people like that to be crazy people treat feelings like they're domestic terrorists people treat that deep dive into self like it's it's a terroristic act and they will avoid it at all costs and i'm like and then you wonder why you can't get out of your own way. And I wanted to tie that to something else, Martin, that you said on your website, you talked about two things. You said, the only common denominator my life revolved around was me. 
uh, yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is such a deep statement to me. And so many people don't get that. What folks do not get it. Like that irritates people. When I say that, you're the common denominator. You, all of this stuff has you in common. It's not external, it's internal. And you, you, you have to be willing to look at you. You have to. You have to be willing to look at you. And if you're not willing to look at you, how do you expect anybody else to? If you won't take the time to understand yourself, how can you expect your partner to? How? How can you do that? I, I, it never fails. When I'm doing couples work, it, it's like a broken record. Dr. Pitt, she, does, she doesn't understand me. But then, here's, here's the mind blower. But then when I said, I just did this the other day. And I said, okay, she doesn't understand you. So what is it that you want her to understand? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it's like when I, you can tell me everything that's wrong. You can tell me what you're not getting. But then when I put the ball back in your court and you have to actually articulate what you want, what you need and why you want it or need it, you can't. And you know why you can't? Because you haven't taken the time to get to know yourself. You have no clue. I had a, a, a couple that I'm working with and periodically I have to do individual sessions to break it up to give space, that safe space for them to say. And one of the things that the gentleman said last night, he was like, he said, Dr. Pitts, can, can I tell you something? I said, sure, this is a safe space. He said, I have no idea what I'm doing. He said, he said I'm so in over my head right now. He's like, just in over his head, you know? And it's like, but thank you for that transparency. But he mm -hmm. didn't have the level of comfort to be able to say that to his partner because the illusion is he's got it all together. He's a provider. He's a good dad. He's a great lover. He's my everything. And he's like, yep, all that's a lie because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so we're going to work on this. We're going to work on helping you to get it sorted out. Yeah, right. It's not you're right though, and he's not alone. A, a lot of men, a lot of men struggle with that. I I have this conversation with a lot of men all the time about, you know, um what how do you find your worth when you either can't provide or don't provide enough, you know, and how do you overcome that? Because a lot of men feel like, and, and let's be real, you know, I think social media has uh, given younger people a very unrealistic expectation of how transitioning to the adult world works. Like I said, there are some people who, you know, have capitalized off social media, whatever the case may be, and at an early age in their teens or early uh, adult years, they've done very well for themselves. But these are like one or two or a handful of individuals out of millions of people. And men, we fall, we fall victim to it as well, too. We see young men and we see successful men and they, you know, um, get on social media, whatever the case may be. And they talk about, you know, there's been, uh, I'm, uh, Martin, I don't know if you've uh, ever heard of Grant Cardone, um, 
but I remember he did a, um, a podcast interview, I think earlier this year, it's like sometime at the end of last year. And one of the things he said is as a man, if you're not making like 400,000 a year, you're not a man. And I'm just like, Hey, uh, I don't make 400,000, but, uh, you know, we can talk about this though, you know, cause I can show you what a man is without 400,000. Um, but so, but we have these type of people out there who put off this mindset and then you have young impressionable men who have, you know, don't have a good sense of self, don't have a full understanding of how the world works, don't understand how to build awareness within themselves to understand that you can have all the money in the world. And like you said, Martine, there have been powerful people all over the world. There's billionaires nowadays who will talk about like, once you reach a certain level of money, money doesn't move you anymore because now at that point, it's like you can buy literally anything. When you get to a point where you can buy literally anything, then what moves you? What is your, what is your intrinsic motivation? What are you really seeking for out of life? You know? Um, and Martin, I definitely wanted to ask you a question because, you know, you mentioned that you grew up in Bulgaria and everything. Um, I don't know. I, I know we didn't ask you, um, at what point did you come over to the States and everything, but I wanted you to uh, kind of talk about some of the cultural differences and what masculinity looked like in Bulgaria versus what you've observed in, you know, maybe other parts of the world and in America, how you see ma masculinity portrayed to, you know, the, the uh, men in the world. Well, uh, there's significant difference to be honest, because the world I grew up in early on in my childhood used to be a communist country. So we had socialism for a long time. However, when I was about five years old, this socialist system fell apart. And then all of a sudden was an early democracy that was kind of like a, a modern world sort of whisk, uh, wild, wild west dimension where you get full freedom to do whatever you want to do. Meaning like the the greatest difference in my perspective as a young child and growing up as a young teenager and then a man was I had access to anything I want to. As long as I had money, I can buy cigarettes, I can go drink, I can gamble. And we did all these things almost daily with my buddies because, again, we were copying what the adults did. And since there were no restrictions on what we can do, well, we did what they did because it seems like it was the cool thing to do, right? Because you always look up at the to the adults as as a young man or as a young person, girl or a boy, what they do, and you copy them. And if obviously if there's no structure around or a framework that limits certain things, then you go and do the same thing. So we did this, and in my world, being that it was a socialist country, obviously this whole dimension of feminism and. Uh, the, the emasculation of masculinity as it is here in the Western world wasn't prominent at all because socialist countries in, in many ways were very traditional in their approach. Not that women were disempowered or anything like that. It was just, it's a very different paradigm because capitalism is not the engine driving this transformation because I have to point this out. There is such a divide nowadays or discussion about masculinity and femininity and, and feminism and so on and so on in this world because it's driven by consumption, by the desire of the so-called free markets or the economy to drive more consumption, to drive women to compete with men. 
This is the key thing. Women to compete with men so they have the same purchasing power, if not more, to get more things they don't need to be unhappy as everybody else is. This is the driving force. Now, once we get, this is the elephant in the room, right? I have nothing against because here's the thing. You have to understand one universal truth that is timeless and will be here forever, even when the universe is not here any longer. And that is that everything in this world is binary or relative, meaning that there's a A and B side to everything. No matter how thin we slice a piece of bread, it's always going to have two sides. One would be what you can call, generally speaking, positive, and the other would be negative. So everything has benefits and negatives to it, right? It's pros and cons to everything. There's no ideal solution in this world. That's why we keep on pursuing things because within ourselves, that true essence is looking for perfection because this world is always going to be relative. So point being with that and masculinity and feminism and so on and how in the Western world it's dysfunctioning is that it's creating, again, it's conditioning young women to pretend as men. Because I, funnily enough, I'm almost 40 years old at this point, but I'm going back to college right now this fall semester to take acting classes just so I can be a better speaker and presenter and just have more fun. And I'm in a, in a class with where most, most of my classmates are maybe, I would say, between their late teens and early 20s. And when I look at the room, everybody looks the same, meaning like whether they're girls or boys, they dress the same, they behave the same. It, it's, it's, it, to me, blows my mind. It's almost like, wow, we live in this world where now genders are no more uh relevant from the perspective of why would nature or the divine essence go so far to create two distinct genders to play the roles of humans when nature follows the path of least resistance if you study nature any scientist will tell you that Everything is designed for efficiency. Why would it go that far to create two distinct species or genders to function? Because there is a reason for this distinction. Because one side brings certain positives and the other others. And when they work together collaboratively, they create harmony between each other. But when you impose on the other gender, all the features of the other, now you have conflict. Hence, why divorce is the most prevalent thing in marriages in the Western world. Most people are divorced multiple times. If you go to any country where feminism it hasn't been sold and little kids have not been brainwashed with it since early childhood, without even having a concept of what it is and why it's there. Again, what is the driving agenda behind it? Because there are positives. I'm not saying we, you know, one gender is disempowered and the other one should be empowered or patriarchy or matriarchy or any of those things. It's just, what is the driving idea behind these paradigms that we exist in on a social scale and culturally speaking and what they are creating? Because this, on one side, you're imposing the masculinity on young females. They start to act 
dress and behave as men and do the things that men want to do. And then on the other side, you take the masculinity from the young boys and you impose femininity on them. And what happens? Well, what you were discussed when you opened the show, or at least when I joined you guys about all these acts of violence that happen. Usually the perpetrator is a young male. Why? Because he doesn't know how to function in this society because the society has almost like like kicked them out of the society. He almost is, he doesn't belong anymore because girls are not boys. Boys cannot be boys. So what, what role does he play? An androgyne, hermaphrodite, or some new gender like dimension? You cannot have this. You need to have a well-balanced and harmoniously structured society where the two opposites complement each other, not compete with each other, not are imposed certain ideas that create competition, that create this disharmony. Because every time you have this harmony, you're going to have this in the society that just trickles down on many levels. So hence, these acts will not end anytime soon because young men have no clear idea how to be men in this world, what to do with this aggressive energy that they might have been suppressing for a long time. You can jerk off all you want, but if you're playing violent video games and you look at the Hollywood movies, which are all about killing and violence, well, what are you conditioned to do? Violence. And if you have no other <laughs> way to express your energy and what is trickling within you, hormonally speaking, when you get into your teenage and early 20s, and you have no good models or leaders or any like virtuous ideas to follow, well, you're gonna fall victim to what everybody else does. And this act of violence is nothing more but a big cry for help. This is just basically, hey, I exist. That's what it is. That's the message. I exist. I have fucking issues, but nobody's paying attention to me. So I want your attention and I'm willing to do this because I need attention. I need to be helped. That's what it truly is. So that's my take on masculinity here in the Western world. I grew up in a world where there's a lot of uh, traditional roles. However, my mom was the breadwinner in my house. So I, it's not like a world where lim women were limited. It's just here, this is so, this dimension of this empowerment and empowerment and so on is played politically and socially on so many scales. And it's just, it's all basically manipulation. I read a book back in college that really opened me to the realities of the Western world of capitalism. If you don't haven't read this book and not just read, but understand what it stands for and what the implications of this book are, you are in kindergarten. I don't care how rich or successful or influential or powerful you are. You are a puppet on strings. It's called propaganda. It's how in so-called democratic societies, one engineer consents or meaning manipulates the masses to buy into ideas that affects everybody's lives. Read this book and make an effort to understand the implications of it. You know, look, so, Martin, when God, like six years ago now, when House Talk first started, it was originally just House Talk. 
And then four years ago, Ronnie and I switched it to House Talk pregame with, with us. Um, but the, the root, the, the very essence of House Talk has always been, this is a place and space where we have the hard conversations. So when you see our facial expressions, we're like, you know what? He needs the front door keys, the back door keys. He needs the garage door openers. He needs the alarm code to the house. You just hit on so many things and we are down to four minutes. I have just two quick, 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 quick things that I wanted you to touch on really, really quick um, before we run out of time. You said on your website, I wanted to understand how to eliminate the underlying causes of unwanted effects instead of only treating their symptoms. And in a book that I'm reading, that the, 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 the concept that that statement speaks to is this deconstructing of fences. And the fences are metaphors for the, the, the baggage in our lives, the, the, the junk, the, the, the trauma, the adverse childhood experiences and, and all of those things. And I, I applaud you because I think so many men, and I say this graciously, I think so many men are terrified to acknowledge the fences in their lives or would you say the underlying causes of you know the 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 horrible hand that life has dealt them i think that people just end up navigating life on autopilot because they're terrified to actually look at the root of stuff you can't you can't eliminate something that you won't even acknowledge is there um, so I just, if you could give a quick tip on how men can do that. And then the last thing was you said, um, you developed a powerful approach to teaching and coaching by helping other seekers who were ready to look within themselves. And I underlined ready. Could you just share a quick tip to both of those, how a man can can get real with himself to eliminate those underlying causes of unwanted effects? And then what do they need? What, what do you think it takes for them to actually get ready to get out of their own way? Well, these are all great questions and I'd love to expand because they're not very uh, simple uh, questions to, to expand upon and provide enough uh, information and tools and so on to go about it. But here's the thing. First and foremost, important is how you go through or how do you can conquer or actually derive benefit from all the suffering, trauma, whatever you want to call it, baggage that you have in your life. What I let's circle back to what I said earlier. Everything in this universe is binary. It's relative. By design, has two polarities: positive and negative. If you're always gonna focus on the negative, you're going to have baggage or what I call anchors. They're like, a, the more anchors you drop, the more you held back, right? You know, and you eventually are stuck in the one place or you can have sales. That's the positive side. So how, what do you look at? What do you focus on? There's a benefit to everything that happens in your life. And I'm going to, since we don't have much time, all of these things that happen to you that you don't like yourself, because you think they're negative, actually they're because you are the one who put forward 
the will and the conditions for these things to happen. It happened because you put forward something in the past that ripped those benefits today. So it's your responsibility. You cannot blame anybody else. It's not the world, it's you. But that's a topic of a whole different conversation because I need to expand upon a lot of universal laws and principles that govern the whole universe. But point being, don't look at your baggage as baggage or as anchors, look at it as sales. See why, the question asked is why this happens for me, not to me. You see, it changes the whole paradigm and really sit with this. How and how is this benefiting me? Because in the middle of something traumatic, it's really hard to see. But once things pass along and this too shall pass, because it does, everything does, everything has its season, it has a beginning, has an end. Sit down with it and see how you are benefiting from it. What has it done in your world, in your psyche, in your understanding, in your emotional maturity, and find the gift within it? Because there's one last thing I want to leave you all with. You can be 80 years old and still be a child. And what I mean by this is biological maturity has nothing to do with your psychological or emotional maturities. These things are not connected. They're independent. It's You have to work out from the inside out. Just like if I can go to the gym, I can make big bustles. But if I want to grow emotionally and mature emotionally as a man especially, well, you have to do the work inside. And that's much harder than going and pushing weights, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Martin, man, well, we got to get, get you back on the show, man. We got to get you back because like you said, we could spend, we could spend hours talking about these topics and just the holistic perspectives and, and the real world perspectives of how men can really become, you know, their overall best selves. Um, Martin, thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Um, how can the people find you? Let, let people know how we get, uh, get in contact with you, book you for uh, speaking engagements, the whole nine yards. And uh, Dr. Pitts, if you want to wrap us up, go ahead. Well, the easiest thing to do is go to my web, to my website, all the information, all my work, and uh, there's plenty of good free gifts you can get and uh, a lot of mm -hmm. values to go to www.martin, M-A-R-T-I-N, Christoph, H-R-I-S-T-O-V.com. And first, familiarize yourself with the work that I do and how I can be a value to you because I'm all about adding value and being a service to others. If I can be a service to you, I'm more than happy to. You can schedule a free consultation with me. I'll give you a free coaching call and then you can also download my book for free. So go on my website and explore what I have to offer because at the end of the day, again, if you're ready to transform permanently your state of well-being and mm -hmm you discovered that you're not happy with where you at and all the things you got are not really driving you there. I'm going to give you the biggest insight. You're not going to find it out there, out there because it's all happening within you. And just like on your cell phone, the settings are within, right? You don't look for the settings on your cell phone outside. You go within and set it up. Well, I'll show you where the settings are and how to work them out. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that, Martin. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest for us today. You are family. We definitely got to get you back, man, um, before the season's over with. Um, Dr. Pitts, I, that's, I'm speechless. I got nothing else. Go ahead, close us out. Seed of equivalent benefit. <laughs> <laughs>
that's just surmising the last thing that he said is that um I love, 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 love that things are happening for you and not to you. And that's all about look for the seed of equivalent benefit in every experience that you have in life, because there's something in it that can help you to grow, that can help you to evolve, that can help you to transform, that can help you to be a better you. Martin, thank you so, 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 so much. There aren't words. It takes a lot to make me speechless, but dang, on you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Thank, thank you, Ronnie. Yeah. It's been an honor and a pleasure to, to, to be your guest and to share my insights with everybody because that's what I live for. That's why I'm so yeah. passionate like, about it because yes, I know how man. powerful it is. It. We love it, man. Thank you so much, man. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, that's it for House Talk Pregame, episode 134. Be sure to catch us back in two weeks when we come back on the 21st. We have another one. Put it back next week. Oh, it's next week? It is. Yeah. Built Not Born, Get the Edge with guest David Kitchen. Oh, shoot. I thought it was the 21st. Never yeah, mind, y'all. Here he goes standing me up for stuff. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see y'all next week, y'all. Look, have a great weekend. Be safe out there. And until <laughs> next time, see y'all then. Be blessed, everyone. Unceasing blessings to you.